Well, welcome back to the Matinee, Kate. Welcome back. It's another Discord recording today, and it's another holiday episode today. Um, as a general rule, these are going to be a little bit shorter than mm-hmm. the regular episodes for the most part. I mean, some of them are bigger cases. This one in particular, it's not necessarily a small case, but a lot of the info I was able to find on it was kind of repetitive, so there's not as much info as you would like, I guess. So oh, today, where it's like the same copy and pasted thing, yeah, like where it's on like different... the same article on like four different fucking newspapers. I hate when that happens. Can't makes stand it. Goes, makes research go by so slow. It really does. So today we're going to talk about the Seattle Mardi Gras riot that happened in 2001. Uh, so today's holiday is Mardi Gras. Whoopee! Mardi Gras is usually like a week-long celebration, though, so I just... I'm doing just the one day. I'm not going to do a week's <laughs> worth of shit. Like, no. Sorry. Love you, but no. Go get them those beads, girls. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of background on the Seattle Mardi Gras riot. Um, so, Pioneer Square, it's in Seattle, Washington, and it's been the site of Mardi Gras celebrations in the area since 1977. Unfortunately... This was not the only incident in the history of Mardi Gras celebrations that have been held there. In 1979, 99-0 civilians and 30 officers were actually injured when the celebrations got a little violent. Because, you know, also, everybody's fucking wasted, so... I'm just going to say how I'm very shocked that this case isn't taking place in New Orleans. You know, oh, the there, I'm sure there Mardi will Gras. be, but I'll be honest, with these first few holiday episodes, I'm just kind of typing in crimes that happened on Insert Holiday here, and this was the but first one But it's funny when up. it doesn't happen and, like, it's, I don't want to say it's, it's not native. just there, yeah. The origin area that it's, like, when shit really hits the fan. Right. <laughs> so... Prior to the riots that happened on February 27th, 2001, which was the date of Fat Tuesday that year, which is what this celebration kind of stems off of, uh, the Seattle PD actually estimated that between four and 6,000 people had gathered at Pioneer Square sometime after midnight the Saturday before the celebrations, and the police had already broken up festivities on Friday and Saturday, and the crowd that gathered late Saturday night was, like, pissy, like, just in particular. And after officers arrested a suspect that was just kind of walking around with a handgun for no good fucking reason, they started throwing, like, rocks and bottles and shit, and when things <laughs> finally escalated to smashing windows, they were like, well, maybe we should stop this, and they started, like dispersing the crowd now everything that i looked up it was generally viewed as excessively heavy-handed tactics that they used to disperse the crowd at this point because they were using pepper spray and rubber bullets and concussion grenades well so they were like oh immediately goes to aggressive mob tactics rather than just being like on a loudspeaker all right guys like time to go home like well they so the way it was working was that they were setting up like a perimeter around the area and if things were generally okay then the people could do whatever they wanted but things were not generally okay so they were no longer allowed to do whatever they wanted and when you're trying to tell like 5000 drunk people fuck off and go home they don't all get yeah. the memo 
So they they did disperse the Saturday night party, and Sunday evening it was a smaller crowd of just 2,000 people, which saying just 2,000 people living in the area that we live in is a fucking joke. <laughs> like, that's, that's like... Yeah, because we, we, we were like, I think our area... See, the next town over is only... 1500 people our yeah. areas like just about 2000 so yeah. so like everybody in town. our whole town was there <laughs> so this smaller town of only 2000 people gathered on the sunday evening and there was a lot less incidents there were still some incidents but like typical drunken rowdy bullshit not like breaking things and smashing things and fighting people kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. and this was before fat tuesday before the incident actually happened so i'm guessing monday was pretty mellow i didn't actually see anything on it probably a lot of people still hung over and when it came into fat tuesday leading into that evening the square and the surrounding neighborhoods kind of filled up again with over four thousand people the the police estimated that it started the party kind of started around nine o'clock but as the night wore on the crowd swelled and it hit between five and seven thousand people at their estimations and sometime around like quarter to 11 10 10 45 p.m ish always going to be ish on these timings because there was no like dead on like this is exactly when this happened in this situation but some fighting broke out a little before 11 and they started gearing up in their riot control stuff but they didn't really enter the crowd at all ultimately they were told by the police chief hey set up a perimeter but don't go into the riot area they officially called it the riot zone and they didn't want to risk the officers, which makes sense. But at the same time, like, protect and serve. Like, if somebody's get their ass kicked, you should probably stop it, right? Right. But then I also I also get that they have to look out for their own, and they don't want to have their own men, like, Understand- injured. Yeah, and- understandably so. <laughs> but, I mean, they know it's going to be such a big party all the time, so why didn't they prepare for that? Yeah, yeah, like, they know that they're basically gonna have a bunch of, like, okay, when when you reach a level of drunk, you're basically a fucking toddler. Right. So why didn't they just, like, prepare to have, like, these drunken toddlers running around? And it's like, okay, set up, always have the police there, already have them in the riot gear, like, just in case. Because normally when people see that, they're like, oh, okay, like, we we can have fun, but, like, a controlled amount of fun. Right. My understanding from a lot of the stuff that I read was that they're, like, quote-unquote front lines. They're, their initial officers were their bicycle police because they were quick and agile kind of thing. They could, like, I mean, I, zip yeah. through and zip back out, which I kind of get. But at the same time, like, yeah, they should have had the riot guys, like, ready from the get-go. They knew it was going to be a thing. So they they all set up with their riot stuff and they just, everything I saw said they rarely entered the crowd and they just kind of formed lines like do not pass to kind of be like, I'm, I'm the authority here. like Right. And I think I'm, I'm going to look this up, but I'm pretty sure like with Mardi Gras down in New Orleans, they like have like, there's a lot of fucking cops around. You'd think that they would have had something set up more aggressively, I guess. 
uh, with the especially with the previous incidents happening at um, Pioneer Square mm-hmm. in Seattle. I mean, they they had already known that stuff gets kind of like shady, so they should have been better prepared, I think. And they did make the occasional arrests at the edges of the party, but it, see, the thing is, is, everything I'm seeing is it's almost like more the more arrests they made, the more angry people got, and a lot of, and I'm going to say assumed, a lot of assumed gang members were also mm-hmm. wreaking havoc in the whole thing and before long cars were being vandalized and flipped over and fires were being started and more windows were being smashed out of local businesses and the cops were actually told by a few different people that there was a, gu- a group of young men that were just kind of like walking through the crowd brandishing weapons be it guns knives uh, there was one guy that had brass knuckles Ultimately, people were walking around, they were fucking armed, and people were like, uh, this is a problem, like, why aren't you doing anything about this? By the time it hit midnight, people were actually just wandering through the crowd and, like, attacking at random. Like, oh, <laughs> excuse me, and just shank. But it was... So I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I looked up that New Orleans uh, thing that they do with, um, like, how police deal how with police it. How police deal with it. So apparently they do a live and let live approach, and then if they start getting out of hand, they just start arresting everyone. <laughs> like accurate. I don't think that Seattle really had the the amount of police there that they needed at the right. time, and I paramedics think they were actually noted it. saying that they brought paramedics in into some of the both from a media perspective and from a trial that ultimately happened as a later result. Paramedics were noted saying that they weren't able to help people because there weren't enough cops controlling the area because your paramedics can't go in until the police secure yeah. the scene. Yeah, because, I mean, even with uh, uh, the police in um, New Orleans are like heavily understaffed and uh, heavily underfunded, but they just kind of like get. If if you're on the force, you're working Mardi Gras. Oh, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, I guess. Um, at one point in time, they had over 2,100 open, like, cases about people getting arrested. And, like, you basically just get the same, it's the same charge over and over, and you basically just get a $500 fine. So that well, kind of keeps people in check, I guess. So maybe Seattle so. should uh, should kind of look into some stuff like that. Right. So somewhere around midnight, the only murder of the evening happened. So there was a murder in this riot, which makes it like a double feature, I guess. I mean, kind of, kind of proud that it was only one. You know, you would shouldn't, think it would have been a lot more. This one shouldn't have even oh. happened, and you'll understand why when I start telling right, you. About right, right. So, like, damn. Chris Kime was a twenty-year-old Auburn resident and a college student. It said that he went to community college, but let's be real, college is college. Post-high school education is awesome, and the fact that it was a community college means he might have been going into a trade job. You never really know. So, like, yeah, or just getting his essentials to... done, too. Right, good on him for trying to continue his education. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris was there to just kind of enjoy the party and have a fun time, and he'd actually stopped right. and bent over to help someone that was on the ground being attacked. 
like somebody was just beating the shit out of this woman and the cops were doing nothing about it. So Chris is like, don't worry, honey, I got you. And he's like trying to help her out when 17 year old Jarrell Thomas hit Chris on the back of the head. On the first... This 17-year-old shouldn't have even been there. Right. Now, the first blow knocked him to the pavement, after which he was hit in the head at least two more times, while other rioters that were just kind of there and around and watching were just like, fuck yeah, fuck this guy, and started beating the shit out of him, too. What? <laughs> they just... They, <laughs> they saw Jarrell hit him three times, and like, they're just like, fuck like, yes, oh. and they jump in, and they start kicking the shit out of him. If we don't jump in too, maybe they'll kill us too. I'm not sure if it, if it was like a, a nah, good thing it was or just not, a bunch. But... It was definitely just a bunch of drunk dudes that were like, "Oh my god, someone's like fighting someone. I want to be right. a part of that." And they maybe they thought Chris was the bad guy and Jarrell was the hero. I don't know, but ultimately, yeah, despite the went. best efforts of Chris's friends, who actually tried to get the police to help, like they ran over and they're like, "Help us!" The cops were like, "Well." We were told we're not allowed to enter the riot zone. So, like, his his friends were, like, surrounding him. Chris's friends were, like, surrounding him, trying to get people off of him. The cops were like, we can't go into the riot zone. So his friends picked him up, dragged him out, and they actually got the help of some off-duty firefighters to do this. They managed to drag him out of the riot zone to a nearby street where they threw him in a police car and he was taken to the hospital. So once they got him out of the zone, the cops were like, okay, we got you. Lights and sirens. Wee woo. <laughs> you just gotta take him out. They couldn't, they, they weren't willing to go that far in just a little bit just to drag this guy out. Like, or at least help. Like, can you, I understand, can you walk this but, 20 feet so then my guy, like, won't die? Uh, no, sorry. I can't do that. That's too far in. Right. I, I'm not I sure how close the, the officers were to where chris was attacked but it couldn't have been that far if his friends were able to run over and be like we need help right it was obviously within like they they were watching this happen there's without a fucking doubt that they were right so chris was taken to harborview medical center after being placed on life support he did die later wednesday evening from a fractured skull and a subdural hematoma he bled out into his brain just trying to be a good person and prevent a violent attack on a woman because the officers wow. couldn't or wouldn't well wow. yeah um i mean I, it's hard to say positive side to this because the positive side, Chris would still be alive. But Chris's family did later file a lawsuit against the city with the basis being that the city, quote, enhanced the danger to citizens by instructing officers to stand by and not intervene. They did end up receiving a $1.75 million settlement as well as an annuity, so an annual payment that is used to, that it was used to set up a scholarship in Chris's name. And additionally, there is a bronze plaque in the square as a memorial to his life. It's got a nice picture of him on it and his name and everything. And the thing I mean, that kind of, as weird as it sounds, mm -hmm. the thing that caught me, and I'm not trying to make this a race thing, but his name is Chris Kime spelled with a K, so I was not necessarily expecting him to be a white person, but he is, was. Uh, Darrell was not. 
<laughs> so in a, in a way it, it almost seems like it has the potential to be a race thing but i don't think it was i think it was just a spontaneous attack so okay just so then i have my facts together so the guy that killed chris he was the one that was attacking the woman that detail is unknown to me so i'm wondering if this other dude potentially or this other person that was uh attacking the woman that chris went to go help um maybe it was a initial misunderstanding of um what was his name Darrell. Jarrell. Jarrell Thomas. Jarrell. I um, thought Chris was the one, like, just sees him bent over a woman. Doesn't see, because, you know, he was hit from behind. Doesn't see that, you know, Chris is just trying to help this woman up and everything like that. And that he was just like, oh, shit. And just. Kate, I just, appreciate what you're going for, but I can tell you right now, Jarrell is not a good person. Ah, uh, okay. Well, <laughs> or he just saw someone that he could easily take advantage of that's more of what I think it like was. Is I think he so was just, just like, like, oh, he's vulnerable. Or maybe he, maybe Jarrell was the one beating the shit out of the woman and Chris pushed him out of the way and he got pissy. I'm not sure. See, Unfortunately, those details were... That makes I sense. couldn't but find those details. It's the fact that it was a 17-year-old who he shouldn't, shouldn't have been, been there. there yeah. Who was probably underage drinking, let's be honest. Because this happened in what, 2001? And, and or possibly gang things, yes, 2001. Okay, so he he's probably in the mentality of like, oh, I gotta look tough, and you know if it was a gang thing, then they probably see this as like the time that they can go do their like initiation and everything like that. Very possible. It, it's just like, first of all, he shouldn't have been there because he's a kid, mm. and Chris couldn't have been more than like a couple years older than him. So it's like Chris was only three years older than him. So it's like what the like what what? <laughs> I mean, all things considered, Chris wasn't able to drink either. But I don't think Chris was necessarily there to drink. I think he was just hanging out, unwinding. Maybe he was drinking. Maybe he wasn't. Who knows? It was a lot of fucking people there. But like, his heart was in the right spot. Like he was trying yeah. to be helpful. You know. And Who knows? He could have even just been passing fucking through, and it was just right. like, oh shit! Like I live on this block or something. Like, oh, I gotta get through from point A to point oh, he B. He was he was from Auburn, so he would have traveled to Pioneer Square. He could have been trying to get to a, a friend's house or something. Who knows? But it's just like <laughs> it really just seems like, oh, don't do good acts. You don't know what might happen. It's like, no, still do good acts, but just. Look Watch out your back. For your, <laughs> look out for yourself too, and just never stay. Okay, if you if you're at a party like this and you see that people are starting to get injured, it is very much okay for you to be like, mm, "I don't want to be here anymore. I'm gonna get the fuck out of here." But it Perfectly doesn't mean that fine. you shouldn't like call for help. Oh yeah, but like maybe like as you're on your way out, be like, "Hey." Like police Hello, officers, <laughs> um, shit's going down. Like you might want to get there before it gets to the point where they're like, "Hey, it's a riot zone," because right. a lot of the times there are a lot of nine one one calls that go through before things get before to things the escalate. riot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, this riot finally ended after a pretty ugly confrontation. After around 30 young men rushed towards the line of officers a little after midnight, throwing bottles and debris, trying to get the cops to, like, back off and leave, their bike officers, the bicycle police, they kind of, like, ran forward with their bikes and were spraying people with pepper spray and then just kind of, like, backed off to the police line again. And the fighting in the area just got worse and worse and worse until somewhere around 1.30 in the morning, there were shots fired in the middle of the crowd. It's not necessarily believed that anyone was injured from those shots, but shots were fired and they were like, oh, fuck, we got to stop this because there's a lot of people here. So with the assistance of an armored vehicle leading the way, they did advance forward with the help of flashbangs, tear gas, and pepper spray to finally break the party up somewhere around 2 a.m., which would in Wisconsin would have been bar closed anyway. So maybe they should have been done by then before that. So the aftermath of all this. Following the riots, then-Mayor Paul Schell, who had been at home sleeping during the riots, issued a suspension of all Mardi Gras celebrations in Seattle. He assembled a three-member investigative task force to figure out what caused the riot, but he told them not to discuss the lack of police intervention. He's like, oh, no, 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 we're not going to talk about that because, I mean, the the, the, the lack of police intervention, that had nothing to do with it. (laughs) We wanna, we wanna get the criminals right. in jail. Like, right. <laughs> oh, it's a gang thing. So initially, these meetings were held behind closed doors, but with protests from the public that forced them to open those meetings up for anyone to be able to sit down on them in a as proper, they proper public forum, as they should have been. And the Seattle Police Officers Guild would later go on to vote that they just had no confidence in their chief of police anymore and cited the riot as one of the main reasons. So even the cops didn't believe in the chief of police and they were like, yeah, if he had not told us to stay back and just wait and watch, then this wouldn't have happened. There was definitely some rogue police officers that were like, fuck this, people are getting hurt and like going and like, you know, the ones that are actually there to do, you know, the protect and serve. Right. Not the... I peaked in high school and I want power still and join the force. I know a couple of those people. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, that would be like the biggest thing of like, this police chief just ain't it when like, they're literally telling you like, hey, don't do your job. (laughs) Right. So, but also with this being before 9-11, I wonder how after 9-11 when everyone was just like patriotic and well, security real, and all of that seattle kind of the stuff place that made all drugs legal so nothing good has happened in seattle since <laughs> i forgot they did that yeah so after losing the uh after losing his re-election uh paul shell lost his re-election for mayor to greg nichols and greg nichols this this son of a bitch so I have an opinion on this guy. I don't know a whole lot about of his political career, but the fact of the matter is this man based his campaign around making Chris Kimes' death a political issue. 
he made a point to say like he was trying to be like i want to prevent this from happening but he went so far as to say if you elect me into office i swear i will hang chris kimes death certificate on my wall so we never forget that that happened and we make sure it didn't happen again but now all these fucking drugs are legal in seattle so clearly he didn't do that great of a job but I don't feel like anyone's death a drug should be didn't a political it. fucking <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? Oh my god. Uh, okay, like the only time that a death should be a political thing is if one if it's, if was it's the one that did the killing or was killed. Mm. Two. I don't um, even necessarily think that uh, incidents involving police officers should be political. I think th- there are very few deaths that I view as political and the big one that sticks out in my mind is, uh, it would have obviously happened before your time, but there was a monk that doused himself in gasoline and lit himself on fire. Oh, that yeah, I knew is a that. political death. Like, oh, yeah. Someone dying because nobody did anything during a riot, that is not a political death. That was preventable. And the fact about Greg Nichols that pisses me off a little bit more is that he chose to keep Gil Kurlikowski as the chief of police despite the lack of action from the police department during the riots. That would have been the first fucking thing I would have done. Be like, this is a political, this chief did not do what he was supposed to do and this man died for it. So this chief uh, goodbye, kind sir. Right. That would have been like, oh my god, he actually wants the change. Not, I'm gonna exploit this death so I get my nice little shiny desk a placard with mayor on it but it's like (laughs) but like the things is like like the whole political death thing like uh like if he had died directly from a police officer then like i'd be like okay like then obviously if he got shot in the wrong spot with a rubber bullet when he was doing nothing wrong maybe it's a little political Right, like but the best he, way that he I died can kind from of... lack of intervention. Nobody mm-hmm. prevented this. No, nobody went to help. His right. friends the, tried the to help. Exam- right. The best example that I can like do for like the point that I was making was like the whole George Floyd thing. How it was mm. the police officer that was just like, "I'm going to be power hungry, and I'm just like, no matter what this person did, because there's all these, you know." theories of whether or not the dude was a criminal or like had like just did this or what it does not matter he, he did not he deserve had his day in court. <sighs> he did not need to have this police officer be the judge the jury and the executioner by sitting right. there and not having his knee off of this man's neck because they do not train you to have your knee on their neck in between their shoulder blades, right. yes, with not a just enough pressure to keep them on the ground, but not enough to make it so they can't breathe. Right. But in the reason why this man should have just been like, I'm just gonna put my full body weight on this man's neck. Like, right. <laughs> I don't. So, so like again, if Chris had died from like directly, like this police officer was right. like. If, getting if it too, was if too it rough was, with riot yeah. control, then like yes, that w- then that I would understand. Yeah, this dude that you know became mayor and using him for a political thing, but not like I'm gonna hang his death certificate. Like no, yeah, <laughs> hang a picture of the man, not cause of death. <laughs> like what? <laughs> no, so, 
all total, only 21 people were arrested the night of the riots, despite dozens Too being low later. Too number. Yeah. Despite <laughs> dozens more being later questioned through the course of the investigation after having been identified as being present from video, photo, and witness accounts. And the investigation showed that around 75% of the over 100 suspects were black and many of them had expansive criminal records and possible gang affiliations. <laughs> Convenient, huh? <laughs> Now, Jarrell Thomas, who started the brutal attack that killed Chris Kime, was ultimately found guilty of second-degree murder in 2001, but it was overturned by the State Court of Appeals on the premise that in a prior state Supreme Court decision, it had been ruled that an assault leading to death cannot be murder unless there is intent to kill. So I'm in a sorry. If you a take a brick... Or some heavy object to the back of somebody's head. How is that not the intent to kill? Because you know how fragile your fucking skull is. (laughs) I'm getting heated. I know you're getting heated. It's okay. It's almost over, I promise. If only you could see the chicken wings I was doing right now. I believe it. (laughs) So in a 2006 retrial... Thomas pled guilty to the lesser charge of second-degree manslaughter, which netted him a 10-year prison sentence, despite the prosecution going for a 22-year sentence. Now, once his time served in good behavior was considered, Thomas was released from prison in December of 2009, but it's okay. Now, this was only eight, months in, eight years and 10 months after he killed Chris that he was released, but two months after his release, he reoffended. And he pled, yeah, he pled down from what was originally two felony charges to instead receive three misdemeanor charges. I think he was like beating the shit out of his girlfriend or something. Oh, so it was domestic. So AKA probably like did not get a lot of time from that too. Right. And by Thanksgiving of 2010, he was free from prison again. But July 2011 came around and then he was arrested for assault and possession of a firearm when he threatened to kill his then girlfriend. That only landed him five years. Since then, or beyond that, I haven't really been able to find anything on and him. But this man, was, I swear, <laughs> I don't know if this was for this guy, but if it was, hallelujah. I looked up Jarrell Thomas and found an obituary, but I'm not sure if it was his. Oh, shit. I like that this dude, though, <laughs> went to jail for well, murder, murder, basically. And murder, basically. When I was only two months old and then <laughs> went back to jail multiple times and then finally got out by the time I was like 11. Like, <laughs> whoa. And I mean, at this point, let's be real, he's he's either probably dead or back in prison. Maybe he's, he's turned his life back. around, but I'm not so One could hope. The fact that he went to, to jail when here, he was but... already okay. By the time he probably actually went to jail, he's probably already eighteen. From that young of an age to going straight into like the prison lifestyle and all of that kind of stuff and like the culture that's in within prisons, because yes, it there is culture so within easy prisons. To, like only know that culture. You only know violence. That's the only thing you know because he never got to experience anything else. So I'm. I'm not shocked 
that he reoffended. And that's why I personally believe, like, between certain ages, depending on the crime, because obviously if you have, like, a 16-year-old that goes out and, like, murders three people or something like that, then, like, this doesn't apply to them. But for, like, petty, I guess petty crimes. Things like I feel after, like, like maybe yeah, grand Between certain auto. ages, I feel like it should be more of a rehab, quote-unquote, finger quotes rehab center that you're still serving time but like you, you're still you're learning a better social outs- setting. you're learning outside stuff you're still like they force you to you're learning a trade like you right after this if you want to learn something else then you can learn something else but we're making you productive you're, you're gonna learn how to do taxes you're gonna learn how to write do all of this other stuff to still keep them in that I'm in the actual world, I'm not in a prison, but I'm still, you know, serving time, you know, doing all this kind of stuff, throw some community service and, like, mandatory community service. Um, And then, like, if they volunteer for more, like, maybe a little bit of, like, time off the sentence and everything like that. So then these kids, because I'm talking, like, probably between, like, 16 and, like, 23. Mm. Because those are those years where you're really, like, you're trying to figure a lot out your, on your, your own adult now. brain is slowly starting to come in. Hi, Larry. Didn't realize he was on the back of my chair. I just heard purring. That kind of scared me. But it's like, so then these kids can get out of, you know, this facility. I'll just call it a facility. And they can go get a job in, like, a trade or something like that. And they can be a part of society without right. thinking, like, oh, I, like... I need, I have no footing. I don't know, like, what I'm going to do. I have no support system, especially for those kids that don't have a support system or were a part of, like, gang violence or something like that. So it's like, they're better suited to go into the real world than they're just like, okay, here's your clothes. Here's a Ziploc bag of your stuff. Oh, here's, like, a check of $200 that you made while working here. Uh, goodbye. Like, <laughs> well, honestly, a lot of the time, the money that they make there ends up going back for fees. There's a lot of people that yeah, get out of so, prison and they end up having to pay back money to the prison. Mm-hmm. I think because like Which where Teddy I works, kind of feel is they, <laughs> yeah, like what they have. I believe this is how this works. Works. Um, they for their work program, they get. I think like ten percent goes towards, um fees and stuff like that another five percent or something like that goes towards like basically to feed them and then another percentage goes towards a savings account for when they get out and then goes towards like the commissary okay so they still get a decent chunk but they're still paying off stuff because like a lot of the times that's when like if you have fines but you're still going to jail that's when it gets paid off makes sense I mean, maybe I'm just kind of a bitch. I murder is murder is murder. I don't give a fuck how old you are. Oh, that's why I said like for petty crimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, or if it was like a self defense thing, but they're still doing time. Which I mean, fuck, that shouldn't exist. But it's like depending on the situation. Right. There's always there's always exceptions. There's always rules <laughs> that fuck need to be rules. followed. But it's like. <laughs> 
If you have someone that, like, they're getting raped and they killed a rapist, then, like, obviously I don't think that, that totally should makes sense to me, yeah. So it's like... <laughs> You've already been punished by being raped. Right. But I, in, in the situation to where it's, like, you're a child and you're father or father figure or person in your life is attacking another person in your life and like a domestic thing and you as a child go and you're like I'm going to end this and shoot them because at that point it depends on the state of whether or not it's self-defense or defense of another right? because certain states have different laws on that then I think that would be the instance where they would like yes if they do get charged with that murder charge then they could go to that place where they get reformed Makes sense. Cause it because it's not like they bloodly did it. They're like this person like could potentially kill like my mother or my father or like sibling or something like that. And they right. kind of do it in defense of another person, but it would be in those states that doesn't recognize that. But see, we did an entire episode on why I don't necessarily think reform school is a good thing. Oh no, reform school's completely fucking different. <laughs> this would basically be like a college, but with like Barbed wire outside. <laughs> okay, so prison. So, so school. Yeah, <laughs> but it's well, like. Well, let, let me let me wrap this up a little bit because you're gonna keep going on a rant for like the next twenty <laughs> minutes. <laughs> so but this was, like... this was a Mardi Gras case on the Seattle Mardi Gras riots that happened in 2001. Mm. I'm gonna save everybody from Kate just going on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> About, okay. <laughs> I understand you're heated. We will see you guys <laughs> tomorrow for the Valentine's Day ho- holiday episode. We're doing that one on Oscar Pistorius. You should have already seen the social media post on it if you follow what a us babe. on. I know, right? You should have already seen the social media post on it if you follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And we are also on YouTube now, which means that in the future there are going to be more visuals coming into some of the cases we're going to be doing some like small stuff on the youtube and that being said the stuff that's on the youtube will only be accessible on the youtube so if you want to check that out find us on youtube with the massacre matinee and like possibly if we have like pretty big cases and we have a lot of visuals for showing each other that's probably when we'll it also depends on how much I feel like editing, though. Let's be real. Yeah, uh, that's kind of this is kind of where I'm going towards. Like, possibly for Jonestown, we'll have some some visuals that you know kind of go within YouTube guidelines, just because uh, there's a lot of stuff that uh, cannot show, um, like the pictures of the aftermath of Jonestown. But do follow us for that. Absolutely, we'll have we'll have stuff there. It's it's gonna to... be fun, albeit a bit morbid. So we will see you guys tomorrow for the Valentine's episode. Bye. Bye.